When Joe stops at the roadside barra outside his Dominican vacation resort, he finds the local coffee comes in a single perfect denomination, a dollhouse-sized cup filled with delicious dark brew that leaves stains on the cup. He takes a sip and tastes a coffee that will change his life forever. Joe is the main character in the adult fable parable titled A Cafecito Story by award-winning Vermont novelist Julia Alvarez, who is known for her books How the Garcia Girls Lost Their Accents in the Time of Butterflies and in the Name of Salome, illustrated with imaginative woodcuts by celebrated Dominican artist Belkis Ramirez. The book comes in three parts, the cafecito story of the book's title, and afterward by Bill Eichner, who is Alvarez's spouse and co-owner of their organic coffee farm, and a surprisingly rich and sensible resource section. The cafecito story unfolds through the eyes of Joe, a Nebraska native with farming in his blood. Joe feels increasingly displaced from the natural world, so he takes a getaway vacation to the Dominican Republic. What's so special about the cafecito he finds there? The beans were grown in the traditional way, on a shaded farm in the Dominican's mountainous interior. When Joe visits a coffee farm in the hills, the farmer, Miguel, tells him that the old ways are fast disappearing as farmers rent their plots to La Compañía to grow coffee quickly in full sun for better short-term yields. The result is the destruction of a sustainable way of life through deforested mountains, depleted soils, and pesticides and chemical fertilizers that wash into the rivers. And for the coffee drinker half a world away, notes Miguel, the sprayed coffee tastes just as good if you are tasting only with your mouth, but it fills you with the poison swimming around in that dark cup of disappointment. In an age when we often want to make a difference but are uncertain of where to begin, drinking a better cup of coffee doesn't seem like much. After all, writes Eichner, anyone can begin by planting a tree or a hundred trees. The future does depend on each cup, on each small choice we make. That from a review of A Cafecito Story from Hippo Press Manchester, The book is a collaboration between award-winning writer Julia Alvarez and Bill Eichner, her spouse. Students and faculty members at Lycoming College in Williamsport have many coffee stories to tell. For many, the delicious dark brew in the Dominican Republic Julia Alvarez describes has impacted their lives in a deep way, as it has done for Joe, the featured character in Alvarez's fable. And some of the words they use over and over are joy, vibrant, and vibrancy. In 1975, Bob Zimmerman traveled to the Dominican Republic to participate in a medical mission. 48 years later, His daughter, Lynn Esteman, traveled to the Dominican Republic with Dr. Carolyn Payne, Lycoming College political science professor, and Dr. Rachel Hickloff-Cresco, Lycoming College education professor, to document the many aspects of the Lycoming College interdisciplinary Dominican Republic project. The Lycoming College art gallery will feature photographs and video by Esteman and her father, 
from August 18th through September 16th. We had a chance to speak by phone with Lynn Esteban, Professor Emerita of Art and Digital Design at Lycoming, and Dr. Carolyn Payne, who founded the Warrior Coffee Project, and we spoke about the program and the specialty-grade coffee from the Dominican Republic. I've actually been working in the Dominican Republic since 2012, um, and during that time, the the country itself is is very stable, very economically productive, particularly compared to its neighbor, Haiti. Compared to the U.S. or more global North countries, you know, the economy is a little bit weaker, but um, it's definitely a thriving economy, um, vibrant, lots of investment, um, lots of opportunities there. They, of course, have struggled over the years with hurricanes. That's always a challenge. They're in that zone in the Caribbean. They get hit, you know, every year by a mild hurricane, and it seems like every three or four years by a pretty major one. And so those natural disasters like like hurricanes can be really devastating. Um, The Dominican Republic has a pretty developed political system, pretty stable over the last 30 years, and so that helps, but it's still not without its challenges, um, particularly when so many people live close to the poverty line. You know, they're living day to day. And so that's always something that we that we have to think about. COVID was a major problem in the Dominican Republic. They're very dependent on tourism. And so for about a year, they went without having many tourists at all in country, um, a lot of sort of lockdowns like we had here in the U.S. And so when you have people that work multiple jobs to put together an income to provide for their families and they have to leave the home, that becomes really challenging. Um, so, you know, we saw that be a very difficult period. Um, right now, the biggest problem, I think, that the people in the Dominican Republic are facing is inflation. Food costs are going through the roof. And so wages have not increased. Um, you already have a fairly high high level of unemployment outside of the major urban areas. So, you know, that's that's hard on a family. The coffee-producing community where we work, they've seen their food costs more than double over the last couple of years, and their wages have not necessarily on every front. So that's kind of the overall situation, but it is, it's much more stable than its neighbor Haiti. But it's still, it's not an easy life for most people in the Dominican Republic. Lynn, how about you and what you bring from your experience? Well, I went to the Dominican Republic after having heard my father's story. He went on a medical mission to the Dominican Republic in 1975. And the stories that he told of the extreme poverty and the lack of health care were just devastating. And so... When I went this May, it was a pleasant surprise to see that even a small community at the foot of the mountains had a hospital, that people have, everyone has access to basic medical care, and that the standard of living has improved, the economy of the country has improved, but You know, it's still a third world country. It's a poor country, but people should not confuse it with the situation in Haiti. And in fact, we met a lot of refugees from Haiti who were working in the Dominican Republic because 
they were able to make a stable living there. But people worked very hard. I mean, the coffee farmers that I was privileged to meet worked incredibly hard to make a living for their families. The women are part of the coffee growing and the coffee farming. And one of the really wonderful things of this trip was we were able to meet with a new organization of women in the mountain area who are planning businesses to help support their families and bring things like solar-powered lights to little stores on the mountains so that people can light their homes without a massive infrastructure. Carolyn, you have been very closely involved with the coffee economy there. Yes. When I started my work in the Dominican Republic in 2012, I originally went as part of a research project. I was really curious about some different agricultural industries and what kinds of trade modes could better protect producers and their families. And so I did not originally intend to focus on coffee, but it just kind of grabbed hold of me, um, this, this one community in particular You know, coffee is such a vital commodity. Some people, depending on how you measure, right, say that it's the second most valuable traded commodity in the world behind oil. And so coffee touches a lot of people's lives along the supply chain. And it fuels our day, most of us, to get up and going and move throughout our day. And and we rarely think about that beginning producer that does the hardest and the most important work. And so when I met this group of coffee producers that really showed me what life for a producer is like, right? they work from sunup to sundown, and they give us something that we hold central to our daily lives. And they were getting anywhere from 8 to 15 cents a pound in some years for their coffee, right? They're, they're living in abject poverty, living in tiny dirt floor houses. They cook on three rock stoves. They don't have running water or electricity. And that just struck me as not quite fair. And also, if you've gone to the market to buy a pound of coffee, you know that somebody's making a lot more money than those producers are. Um, and so I've spent the last 10 plus years getting to know the coffee producing community there and really trying to help connect them to a market here with the support of Lycoming College and that will pay them a fair price. And also, to me, more importantly, help them figure out how to get integrated into the broader global economy and specialty coffee market. And so it's been it's been quite the ride over the last decade or so. We've had a lot of students go down and work in the DR with coffee producers. We've learned a lot about the production ends that I had no idea about to begin with. And then we try to bring a little bit of our knowledge and, and research skills and our passion to, to help where we can. And what disciplines are now involved at Lycoming College? So the core of the program is political science, where we are really helping students learn to become involved in sustainable economic community social development, um, education, and chemistry. 
those are the three core disciplines in terms of the faculty that are actively involved and have been involved for the last, you know, probably eight years for all of us as we've added people to the team. But then we have students from all kinds of disciplines. You know, I've taken anthropology students and sociology students and creative writing students and biology majors. Pretty much any student can find their passion and their purpose in this program because coffee is truly interdisciplinary. It touches on everything. It goes far beyond economics and politics. And so I think that's one of the really amazing things about the program is that it allows students to to understand how fulfilling it is to apply their knowledge to a commodity that really impacts so many people's lives, right? The, the producer's ability to produce coffee, grow and harvest and process coffee that commands a higher price, our ability to help them connect to markets that will pay that price that they deserve means that their kids get health care, right, beyond just the basic health care that is provided. It means their kids can go to high school and to college, um, that you can have some intergenerational wealth creation. And I don't know about you, but as a college student, I never had the opportunity to really see that firsthand. And Lynn, your art students were able to contribute to in design work, right? Yes. My students, when I was teaching at Lycoming, designed the packaging for Mm -hmm. uh, Warrior Coffee, which, by the way, is roasted by Alabaster Coffee here in Williamsport. And so... It really has been a broad interdisciplinary program. Started with Carolyn's vision of what it could become and involved students in working on clean water projects, solar energy projects, education. I mean, we're currently helping grade schools to build libraries in the schools in three areas of the Dominican Republic. And so it's been a really broad community-based endeavor. And we're looking to, through this exhibit, to be able to have more of the community in Williamsport hear about what's going on, what the projects are, and get involved. Well, then let's turn now to the exhibition. And when we see the introduction, the card, the poster that represents the show, it's remarkable to see the then and now because it seems to back up what you've each said about the current state versus times ago. So introduce us to what is the concept of the exhibition. Well, the basic concept is to tell the community what the Lycoming College Dominican Republic projects are about and to show them the breadth of those projects, but also to introduce them to the people and the land of the Dominican Republic. I mean, I had the extreme opportunity to meet a really diverse group of wonderful people, coffee farmers, women planning their businesses to support their families, teachers, school principals, market vendors, and incredibly exuberant grade school students who 
all were gracious enough to share their stories and their hopes and their dreams. And so the photographs and video in the gallery pieced together tell part of the story of the Dominican Republic. There'll be a series of black and white photographs that my father took in 1975, and color photographs and video uh, that I took on this recent visit from May of this year. They feature a few of the many people I was privileged to meet, show the landscape, the murals, the cityscapes, and give a glimpse of the really vibrant culture that defines the Dominican Republic. When you look at Lynn's father's photos and then Lynn's photos and the video, Caroline, what kinds of things go through your mind and your heart when you see the juxtaposition there? So I think first, I noticed that progress, right, that Lynn has mentioned a few times in terms of economic progress, um, development. Life is a little bit easier. But the thing that sticks out to me is the, the thing that has stayed the same, which is the, the beauty and the, the joy of the Dominican people. I think that's the thing that really captured my heart and the reason that I've stayed there. I had no, in- I had no intention of working there forever. I was doing research, and I just couldn't turn away from it. They are um, the most welcoming, joyful people I've ever met their kindness, their love of life, their recognition that while it's clearly important to have the material comforts in life, especially when you've not had those, right, to be able to have kids that are well-fed, that have health care, that have education, those things are important. But they've not allowed that economic progress to really break down their social bonds. Um, the emphasis on community and on family and on appreciating and celebrating the non-material parts of life. And that's what I see in those photographs. It's not just the change. It's that thing that stayed the same. And for me, it's the thing that I kind of often wish that I feel like we've lost some of that in our own country. And my students comment on that. And yeah, that's the part that I hone in on is, is that joy, um, the vibrancy, the welcome. The joy and, and the sense of community that you mm-hmm. don't often find in the United States. People working together for a common goal. The idea that if there's a microloan, someone will get the first loan and pay it back so someone else can get alone to do their small business. I mean, there was just a wonderful sense of cooperation and community that we saw everywhere. And Lynn, how are the arts integrated into the lives of the people? You mentioned murals, murals, pottery, music. All of it is a part of it. I mean, in in, uh, Santa Domingo, we went to an old monastery that in the evening is a place where bands come and the whole community is out dancing. I mean, it's just music and color and dancing. The walls 
everywhere have gorgeous painted bright murals that one of one of the things you can't really see in my father's black and white photographs are the houses, but they're basically in nineteen seventy five bare wood. The architecture you can see the old houses in the new houses, but what you see immediately are the colors. I mean, there are incredible pastels and bright colors everywhere. So that, you know, it's like this sensory overload. The food, the smell of food cooking, the colors, the music, the dancing, the culture is just incredibly vibrant. Does something of that have to do with the way we here are living digitally and online and and all of those things where they may not be doing so much there, or is that not true? No, I think think it's a part of the story, but not the whole story. In my time there, you know, there's been a transition to where Pretty much everybody has a cell phone now in the Dominican Republic. That's been, that's been one of the great revolutions in the developing world because you don't have to build infrastructure for landlines. So it's pretty easy. Um, and most people now have smartphones, and there's Wi-Fi available in many places. So most people don't have a phone plan, but they can um, access a few public locations where it is available. And so you see people utilizing their phones, but when someone in the flesh walks up, their phone goes away and they still take the time to have a conversation and their, their experiences are still centered on people who are there and present. So I think part of it's digital, but I think there are some other factors at play. One of the questions my students always come to by the end of our field experiences there is whether you can experience a high level of economic development and the ability to support yourself without a lot of assistance and maintain community, right? So to what extent is community a product of need to rely on one another? And I don't know the answer to that, but I think that's part of the story too. How do we here in our area get to sample the coffee that comes from the Dominican Republic and the people you're working with? That's a great question. So there are a few ways for anyone around the world to get Warrior Coffee is our our brand name. They can order it online through Alabaster Coffee and Tea Company's website. They ship everywhere. If you want to learn more about the project and then link to Alabaster's webpage, you can also visit www.lycoming.edu backslash coffee. And then if you're local here in the Williamsport area, you can either stop into Alabaster and grab a bag or our local Wegmans carries it. Now, have people from the Dominican Republic come to Williamsport? We've had one guest here that works, our nonprofit partner in Las Terenas, because he has dual citizenship, but we've never been able to host our coffee producers. That's definitely a long-term goal. It's a little tricky for Dominicans who want to visit the United States to get a visa. And so that's one of those kind of State Department hurdles that we have to overcome eventually, and that hopefully will get them here. Lynn, what do we find when we come into the gallery? When you first enter in the main room, there'll be a grid of my father's photographs with some photographs from similar situations taken this year. 
The rest of the gallery is made up of portraits of people that I met and uh, some scenery and art, murals. And then in the small room in the gallery, there is a four-and-a-half-minute video that shows dancing and coffee producing and all of the projects that Lycoming is involved with, with our students. Lynn, you said that your father spoke about the conditions he found and that group found in Haiti in 1975. Is there one story that stands out that he told you that you remember with some particular details at all? I think the the story that I remember the most was him talking about treating children with malnutrition and the just villages full of children suffering from malnutrition and that they would close down for half an hour for lunch and had peanut butter sandwiches and that, you know, he just he couldn't eat because the children were at the windows. But, you know, he could give his sandwich away, but there were 20 children around the window and it it was really heartbreaking for him. It sounds, Carolyn, like you have hope, though. And I think in this terrible situation with climate change and all kinds of things going on, it's very important for us to encounter a story that has some optimism as part of it. Yeah, I definitely have hope. Um, I think it's important for us in the United States especially to have hope, but to also realize our contribution to the underlying problems, right? We have to be willing to pay a price that is sufficient for a product that requires a lot of labor. We have to hold corporations accountable to make sure that everyone in the supply chain's labor is valued in a respectable, in a respectful way, and in a way that allows them to have a, a living wage. And, you know, speaking of climate change, it's the, the biggest threat to coffee production worldwide right now. The producers we work with and the producers that I've talked to all throughout the Caribbean, Central, and South America have told me some really terrifying stories of major changes and threats that they've seen emerge over the last five years. So I think it's really important that we have hope. I have hope in what the Dominican people are doing, but we can't use that to alleviate our own responsibility for what we need to be doing. How can we see the show? The show opens this Friday and runs through September 16th. The reception, if you want to come and taste Warrior Coffee, in addition to hearing uh, more about the exhibit and the project, is Friday, September 15th from 4 to 9 p.m., and the gallery talk will be at 5.30 that day, Friday, September 15th. Lynn Esteman, Professor Emerita of Art and Digital Design at Lycoming College in Williamsport, and Dr. Carolyn Payne, 
who founded the Warrior Coffee Project, speaking with us about the Lycoming College Interdisciplinary Dominican Republic Project and the exhibit that opens this Friday at the Lycoming College Art Gallery, featuring photographs and video by Lynn Esteman and her father. The gallery exhibit runs from August 18th through September 16th with a gallery talk Friday, September 15th at 5.30 p.m., a reception and coffee tasting from 5 to 9 p.m. That's Dominican Republic 1975-2023. Photographs by Lynn Zimmerman, Esteman, and Bob Zimmerman at the Lycoming College Art Gallery, 25 West 4th Street in Williamsport, running August 18th through September 16th with a reception and coffee tasting Friday, September 15th from 5 to 9 p.m. And that gallery talk will be that day at 5.30 p.m. For more information on the web, lycoming.edu slash coffee, L-Y-C-O-M-I-N-G dot E-D-U slash coffee. The exhibit and reception are free and open to the public. Gallery hours are Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, 5 to 9 p.m. Lycoming.edu slash coffee.